Hey, party people. Let me get Greg's this. getting the backup recording going. We don't need the backup recorder. Things never go wrong around here. <laughs> One thing I was reading was that uh, <laughs> in in that television thing I was telling you about, the, the producer television thing, Overstock.com announced that they are starting to do a scripted series. That was an Onion story a year um. ago. <laughs> All this clean up and you don't have a bottle opener. I don't, no. That is... Check in the Sierra Nevada box over there behind the Calvados. Are you going to take that home or is that going to just sit here? <laughs> There's, I, don't, I don't know what much of a use for it except for, I don't know, um, making pate. <laughs> it's good for livers. All right. What are we drinking? This is the Rubeos. He picked this up and brought it over a few months ago. Um, you know, it's a pure raspberry ale. I was surprised when you brought it because when I went to Philly Beer Week back in 2008, I think it was, um, they had discon- founders had discontinued it. And I went to that Founders Beer Dinner. We talked about that really awesome 10-course tasting dinner. And it was like the last keg of in existence, right? Because they switched over to uh, a cherry beer using local cherries, right? And they shelved Rubeas, and I had no idea they were making it again until you brought this cute bottle over. Well, they sure are, unless this was really old. But since it was, since it was bottled in twenty fourteen, <laughs> I'm guessing it's not. Yeah, and uh, maybe it was a lead into the beer we're having the main show. This big luscious, maybe they had raspberries back in the house and decided mm. to brew Rubeas again or something like that. Don't know. It smells nice. You know, this reminded me of a little bit of his Ocarat. Okay. If if my memory goes back that far. Right. I, I don't have any particular recollection of Elkron, so. So did you listen to the brew, Meeting of the Malts no, podcast at all? No, no I didn't. Okay. It was pretty good. Um, was, so I didn't talk to you too much about it on the on IM the other day, even, even though you were asking some questions. I was a little busy. But uh, it was it was a good event. It was a fundraising event for the Brewers of Pennsylvania. The Brewers of Pennsylvania are basically the Brewers Association, but just for Pennsylvania. Keep all the craft brewers on the same page, and they're based out of Harrisburg, so there's a whole legislative angle to it, right? So, I mean, it's very similar to the National Trade Association, just the State Trade Association for Craft Brewers. This was a fundraising event, and uh, but so it was fundraising and not promotional, right? And But I'm trying to figure out how to lead in, how to say this, forgive my stumbling, there was like 85% industry people there. You know, like very little civilians, right? And I guess since it's not a promotional event, that's fine, right? It, so like lots of brewers were there. All the brewers from like Western Pennsylvania all went to this thing. Um, and then the other weird thing was because it's they're based out of Harrisburg and it says trade association, there was a lot of lawyers and lobbyists. There was that makes a sense. congressman there. You know, but yeah, it was like... People you don't normally see at these beer events, right? I sat at a table where these two guys that are... They don't make themselves known. Well, they they, they don't lie to you. And, you know, they tell you who they are and what they're doing, right? Right, but so. if we went to... We've been at Saver. I'm sure there, there's been a mm. lobbyist or two there. They just aren't there in the capacity as a lobbyist. Right. Well, like the two guys I sat at the table I was sitting at, they're trying to get the job for the Brewers of PA. They were claiming... they're. I guess they're going to rechoose, and their their current lobbying firm 
has some conflicts of interest with brewers or something. So these guys are like, we don't have, you know, they were giving me a little bit of their elevator pitch, you know, spiel. And, uh, and then I, like, guy gave me a card who does just insurance for craft brewers. And so he's, a, he's an insurance agent specializing in alcohol insurance. And then this lawyer guy gave me a card, you know, for, and he's for like, I mean, I guess, you know, all this stuff, I don't know about the insur- the specific insurance guy, but like the, the, the law agency, the, the, um, the, the, the firm, I guess, you know, specialized with getting brewers up and running and whatnot, you know, that you pay the money, you don't have to deal with all that crazy bullshit that all the paperwork that it takes to get a brewery running, right? So trading all that hassle for some cash. I guess if you're funded to do that, you know, it works fine. But yeah, so it was really weird because I haven't been to an event where like so many people were not brewers or beer lovers, but people who want to make money off the industry. It it sounds a lot like a lot like what I'm doing with my company in in March, which is we're having our summit, which is we get all these all these customers to come and we, we try to you know get customers who come there to give some speeches about what they can do with stuff so mm-hmm. it's sort of a you know it's a three-day thing or four-day thing kind of like ces in a sense right it, it's it's a platform to sell stuff right and bring you know everybody together and to sell stuff at the same time you're doing an event and you're bringing all these people together some to give speeches on, on certain certain ways they do things and some to sell different things that they have. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you've been to those like events with your company, similar events. I don't know whether the, your, your company actually does a, an event of its own, but it right. certainly goes to search events. And Oh yeah. They're, I mean, I haven't gone in a company capacity, but uh, yeah, we go to all kinds of trade shows and things like that. We don't have our own Avir fest or anything right, like yeah. that. However, not to hijack the conversation too far because I wasn't done about the Bruce, Pennsylvania, but marketing is um, having this idea where, you know, they they always have these invite the people, pitch them stuff, and we've done it with happy hours and stuff like that, but now they want to have it at a brewery, you know, so you're going to have a guy from Gartner or something like that talk about cloud storage. And since it's at a brewery, they were kicking around the idea of having me go talk about beer for a little bit. You know, like kind of say, hey, this is, you know, he's our, you know, works at, you know, runs our IT, but he's also Jeff from Craft Beer Radio, and we're going to talk a little bit about beer, too, you know, so it's not just all sales pitch type stuff. And uh, I just got a little bit more official the other day. I mean, I haven't booked a flight or anything yet, but I'm pretty sure I'm doing this, so that's kind of cool. That's cool. I wonder if I can get my company to do a physics panel, because there's some good physics in Arizona. <laughs> Lawrence Krauss is out there. <laughs> Yeah, so I might be doing uh, some some freelance or it's not really freelance work, but you know, un- like marketing style work for for the company. That's cool. I'm excited about it. It'll be. I haven't you know I've only traveled once, and that was a couple months ago to set up that colo. Mm-hmm. So it'll be nice to. I'm not sure where the the events at or how many events they will be, but uh, it's gonna be like an out and back thing. You know, I'll fly out that day, have the dinner, mm-hmm. or the the thing. Probably fly back the next morning type stuff. Um, Brewers of PA. So yeah, it was a it was a good talk. Bob Batts was the host. He uh, there were some good conversations. And since it was since it was very industry heavy, 
there was lots of questions about growth and sourcing ingredients and trademark and things like that. And those actually, those are a lot of questions that I, I don't know if you saw any of the questions I sent to Bob over Twitter. No, no. I, I wasn't. I said it most of them at like 1130 at night. Yeah. So they probably, most people probably Follow didn't notice the timeline, it. Yeah. I yeah. saw that you had, but I was, I think I was busy and I just yeah. never got around to looking at them. So he asked a few of my questions and, um, you know, I was really curious about we, well, we want to talk with julia about growth and whatnot right the the 20 by 20 uh type thing and so they talked about that a little bit i thought they weren't going to touch on the points i really wanted to like i wanted to like go up on stage and take the microphone and like guide it, but you know but but actually bill kovaleski from victory he right before they finished up that segment he kind of addressed the the, the things i wanted to hear addressed so uh, i think it was pretty good the dinner was, was good it wasn't anything amazing mm-hmm. um but it was good, paired well with the beers. You know, like I said, I got to talk to with a bunch of people. I met a few local brewers I haven't had the opportunity to meet yet. I met the guy Kyle from Milkman Brewing. Um, trying to think who else I haven't met previously. Um, there's a couple guys that are still starting up, not necessarily local. A lot of people drove out from Harrisburg area for this thing. It was good. And then uh, Dan invited us to cover the next event, which hasn't been publicly announced yet but it's going to be out east and uh i gotta decide if it's worth doing the nearly five hour drive to get there to to record it or not (laughs) it's kind of a it it's worth it in the manner of like how we've established ourselves with the brewers association it'd be nice to establish ourselves with another organization you know that's kind of how i'm thinking about it but we'll see we shall see I desperately searched Friday for a place that sells dry ice on a Saturday because mm-hmm. I wanted to buy some dry ice because I death because I saw this awesome video and instructions on how to make a cloud chamber. Uh, and I showed it to you. Did you? I I saw the page with the directions and I saw the one illustration, but I didn't see any kind of video of what. You know, it looks like when you're seeing particles or whatnot. I mean, so, okay, so Cloud Chamber is a particle detection device. The premise behind it is relatively simple. The original ones were water vapor. This uses alcohol vapor. Essentially, what you do is you use dry ice to make your cold area. You have um, a fish tank or something that has a felt on the bottom that you then soak in uh, isopropyl alcohol. So you have a saturated alcohol environment mm-hmm. um you put a nice metal plate on top of the dry ice so it gets very cold and you put the tank on top of the um on top of the cold plate upside down so that it's a sealed it's the a sealed felt chamber. goes under the ice or the, on top of the plate or the, the felt goes on the bottom of the, of the fish tank and then you turn the fish tank upside down so the felt, oh so the felt's hanging from so the, the felt is hanging from the top i see so you have now a chamber where Alcohol in the warm area is precipitating down, and then it's getting to an area where it's very, very cold, and it starts to condense. And because it's very cold, it's a lot like when you're outside and it's cold outside. The air is super saturated, so cold it can't get any more water in it, so all your all your breath, the water vapor starts to condense out. So that happens with the alcohol. And the nice thing about the alcohol is it, it, uh, it it's a more stable environment. It's an easier-to-make environment than doing it with water vapor. You could do the same thing with water vapor, but you have to do pressurization and stuff like that. Okay. This is relatively easy to do at modest scale. 
but so what happens then is you have this basically this this cloud this fog really of alcohol vapor and when ionized particles come through if they hit something they will leave an ionization trail and when they do the particles of the fog will condense around those trails so mm-hmm. you'll see things like see a couple things in the one in the video that I saw one is that you'll see natural alpha emission which is most likely from radon in the atmosphere and in rocks and stuff those are going to be sort of big fat very quick bursts then you'll see these streaks these long streaks those are muons coming from cosmic rays they are so heavy they just barrel through then you'll see protons or that protons you'll see electrons and positrons that will spin and okay. you'll see some particle decays possibly that will go in one direction bounce off okay cool and if you have a big electromagnetic so can you image, you have a big can you image this or is it just kind of watching it live like you, you can't can image take, it, sure. can you take photos of this stuff or sure okay it's hard to catch them it's probably easier to take video okay you never know when you're going to see one but all the old you've seen i'm sure pictures where you see things swirling around and they show you pictures from particle accelerators oh i've, I've seen yeah the plots from particle accelerators and things like that right but the older pictures were basically pictures of cloud or bubble chambers so um, see. this rubase is really good yeah it is really good but so if you've seen those things like you see a spinning track and you wonder what that is you know that is the track that's made mm-hmm. of the ionization trail of really the condensation of the vapor around the ionization trail. Okay. And so if you put an electrode, they, they experimentally found positrons by a cloud chamber, putting a large electromagnetic by a cloud chamber and seeing that some electrons span one way mm. and some went the other way. I see. So some were charged in one way, some were charged the other way. Cool. Yeah, let's build one. It's awesome. But no one tells dry ice on the weekends. Did you call a grocery store? I, I went to I went to the the one the market district. Mm-hmm. They said no. They okay. don't. I I'm guessing they might do it like around Halloween. Okay. But no, they don't do it now. So Yeah, I never consi- like I told you on I am, I never considered grocery stores until I had just read something. I can't, I'm trying to think of what I was reading, but so, so, yeah, I just was reading something about a conversation about dry ice, mm-hmm. and someone suggested grocery stores, which is something I never considered. I always thought, I was always told about you know a certain welding supply place that had it right, mm-hmm. and then you found another welding supply place. There's, there's a couple ice places. Any place that makes ice, I think you can do. Okay. Any place that does basically anything with pressurization, it's not too not too hard. In fact, you can make some of your own with just a pillowcase and mm-hmm. carbon dioxide. A fire extinguisher is just expensive, right? Because those things cost 50 bucks, and you're going to lose a lot, and you're not going to make nearly enough. I mean, Getting them refilled is probably pretty cheap. So you would just need the extinguisher, but... Right. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a very... The the, the dry ice that that dude made was not thick and hard, right? It was yeah. very snow-like and crumbly, and it, it wouldn't have the same cooling... Um, it wouldn't last Ability. as long. I mean, yeah. The nice thing about this with with the alcohol situation is, like I said, I, th- I think the reason why they do it with alcohol now is that it's easier to set up and easier to maintain that circumstance. It doesn't mm-hmm. last forever, uh, but you are creating sort of a thermodynamic 
a mm-hmm. non-equilibrium, and so it's just easier for that to, right. to take place in, in, with those ingredients. But stuff you can get off the shelf for the most part. Cool. So that's next week. If I get everything, couldn't be shouldn't be too hard, right? I just need a. I mean, I, I just look briefly at the directions, right? You need to make a metal pan that's slightly bigger than the a tank, right? I don't see mm-hmm. why I couldn't just use a sheet pan. Yeah, probably. Oh, there was something. Shit. There was the thing that did the. Oh, last last night there was what the three moons transiting Jupiter. Oh. And I was going to think about taking a look outside. Seeing if I could spot Jupiter and maybe setting up the scope. I completely forgot about it until just now. <laughs> it's, really, it's really, r- it's really rare to have like three moons transit Jupiter at once. Yeah. And and for it to be visible. Yeah. So. Oh, well. I don't even know if we would have... <laughs> we can see the moons. And I saw a picture. The picture on the blog, uh, you know, whatever science blog I was looking at. It wasn't a real photograph. It was from Starry Night. And it looked like the shadows were probably more apparent than the moons. So since yeah, we were able that, to that that would some of the shadows. I don't know. I mean, even with the five inch, it, Jupiter doesn't resolve huge, right? It, you can well, start, you can we see banding, in, but you can't see the can't see the. You could yeah. sort of see the spot if you got a good enough focus. Yeah, but it wasn't wasn't like Hubble or anything. Yeah, yeah. So probably couldn't have seen the shadows yeah. with the three and a half inch. Oh, and I forgot about it anyway, right? Yeah. So I don't even know if it was clear last night. No, it was snowing. Okay. It was snowing last night. So, yeah, probably would have just been, just been white. Yep, just like every time something cool happens in the sky. Yeah. Um, Twitter, there were some Twitter things that happened. Oh, so there's the conversation that we had with uh, Jason about words that we overuse. Oh, yeah. He's like turning into a new super fan. I think he just found the show, and he's he's very communicative. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Not saying it's bad at all. It's like he came out of nowhere, and he's like talking to us like every day. It's like, well, hey, that, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I, I uh, encourage that. More to more power to you, Jason. But yeah, so the. Jason said that you say right a lot, and I did some. I just listened to the post show, <laughs> I did some calculations. Um, I started to write down the, the numbers. So Jeff says right in. It was a preliminary count. I'm not sure if I got it. And this is also during the post show. Is during the post show? Could be more prime yes. to vocal ticks yes. with more beers in you, right? Jeff says right, right. right? <laughs> Jeff says right twenty six times, like nineteen times. You know, eleven times. He's not the only one. I say right eight times, like 13 times, you know, 14 times. And I think I said I mean like 150 times. <laughs> I wasn't actually counting. After I just noticed halfway through. I'm saying I mean a lot. So we all have our weird little ticks. There was a show on, or did we talk about this last week? There's a Freakonomics I was listening to where they were talking about the vocal tick. Um, yes. That's a good question. We talked about that. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what led into it. Okay. Uh, here's a podcast that you might be interested in. I've listened to it a couple of times. I don't like it because it, it's kind of radio labby, okay. but I think you'd like it because 
it's kind of radio labby. Okay. Uh, it's called Ninety Nine Percent Invisible. Okay, I think I've heard of that one, but I haven't checked it out. It's about the things that you normally don't notice, mm-hmm. but that are still all around you. Okay. And I like the premise, and you probably like the premise too. But the way it's presented is is more, I think, your style than my style. All right. I will check that out. My Twitter app's been on the fritz for the last couple hours. My phone here. As soon as I heard that they were calling some a new a new thing a gate, I just had to tweet about how annoying it is that every scandal gets gate at the end. Is is now deflate gate? Oh, about the deflated NFL footballs. Well, deflate does rhyme with gate. But then the, the underinflated football scandal doesn't have the same just buzz to the it. NFL scandal, the Patriot scandal. Well, uh, that's every week. <laughs> but everything doesn't need a gate. Benghazi gate. <laughs> I hear you. Imagine if if gate existed before Watergate. Mm-hmm. Well, Watergate would then be Watergate gate. Because Watergate was a hotel. I hear you. I hear you. It's overused. Absolutely. But it language evolves, right? And yeah. It is shorthand for scandal. Yeah, I, I hope I, I mean your only hope is that it becomes so overused that it no longer seems clever. Yeah, my my hope is that I mean, cause it's people, since scandals happen all the time, we should differentiate our scandals. I think gate is too it's too over-encompassing for the kind of scandals that we get. Not everything is a huge political scandal. I think the definition of gating, you know, a word or, or an event is is just a synonym for scandal. And it has, you know, this is me thinking of how I think of the word in common use in language. It's, it's, a, it's a synonym with scandal. But it's still thought to be a clever wordplay. And I'm waiting for it to be so overused that people don't think it's clever wordplay anymore. Well, let's and reach it, that point for me. Well, you need, to, you need it needs to reach that point for more people yeah. so it falls out of use. Yeah. I can only yell at my I can only yell and shake my fist and and, and uh, you know do it at platform. Oh, it'll it'll get overused and I, fall out I, of I mean I accept favor. that it, you know that I can't change it. I'm just Sounds like you're going to word <laughs> misuse anonymous. I accept the things I cannot change. <laughs> I think that there's <laughs> there's some good thoughts in the serenity prayer. Aren't there? I don't really know it, but sure. Give me the power to Yeah, I mean I know Yeah. Couple of the lines roughly, but well, I mean, the part that you and I disagree with is mostly you don't get it for you don't get that from from God. You get that from yourself. So, me grant me the power to know the things I can't change. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But the idea there is is mm-hmm. is good. Don't right. don't over, don't overstep your bounds. Is basically what serenity prayer is. Right. And don't think you can. Right. Because you're probably just going to get yourself in trouble. So yeah, I think gates will fall out. Gate will fall out of favor. 
eventually. I hope so. I, mean, um, I can't think of any examples right now, but there's been other examples of a certain wordplay getting, well, literally, right? You know, completely overused. Or, spoiler alert. Yes. Remember the last week tonight where they did that, you know, they do that little segment, that are little intermission. It's like, and now a bunch of clips of people saying spoiler alert oh, yeah. for things that aren't yeah. spoiler alerts, you know? So. I've noticed that Jump the Shark has really lost a lot of its power. Mm-hmm. People don't use that term anymore. It's it's kind of fallen out. Yeah. Spoiler alert will fall out. Gate has a little bit more timelessness, but I still think it's going to run its course. And there'll be something new to annoy me. Can <laughs> <laughs> I move on to the main show? How long have we been doing this? We're at 24 minutes. One or two... Can I bring this up without um, being a dick about it? No, without, without just it, it sounding like completely out of nowhere. <laughs> okay, you just made an appropriate segue. Now just start. <laughs> I was looking at some really interesting science stuff that was coming out. Uh, one is this. I don't know if you saw the story about the uh, quantum Cheshire cat scenario. Where these one. guys managed to uh, show that they could separate a neutron from its magnetic moment, essentially have its the neutron and the magnetic moment follow different paths and then meet up again. Okay. <laughs> and then there was another experiment where just recently where they've been able to slow light in a vacuum. Okay. How do you slow light in a vacuum? Very carefully. But if it's a vacuum, what is the medium of slowing it? Because that means by vacuum means there's nothing there. What the theorists are doing, what I mean, what the experimentalists are doing is they are way in front of what the theorists are doing. The experimentalists are showing that you can actually somewhat disentangle parts of what we consider the particle from itself. These fields, the quantum fields, that all coalesce and turn into what we call a particle, what we call an electron, what we call a neutron, what we call a photon, are themselves able to be removed or or, or manipulated in in a certain sense to be separated from it. Again, in in some sense, mm-hmm. it really shows how much physics is now, right now, relying on experimentalists too push it forward the theorists are all working on these big top-down stringy or loopy scenarios and the thing about that is it's kind of like it's kind of like throwing a giant a huge comforter blanket on a piece of sand right this piece of sand is probably under that blanket somewhere but god knows where that's a huge surface to try to search. Mm-hmm. It, these trying to put these arbitrary top-down solutions don't give you the kind of things that the experimentalists are finding. And it's true that all of the stuff that the experimentalists are doing is technically covered by the theory. The theories aren't like thrown apart by what the experimentalists are doing, but it's not at all obvious what the theorists are doing, that you could do these things. Okay. So it's just, it, it's, 
it struck me as very, very interesting because for a while theory was way ahead of what experimentalists are doing, and now the experimentalists are charging ahead full bore and not caring about what the theorists are saying. It's pretty cool. Okay. That's it. All right. I'm just trying to think back to the... How do you interact, or like, slowing light in a vacuum? Because, <laughs> I mean, I understand slowing light in the the gas mist thingy that they did before, right? You know, where they're able to slow it down in another atmosphere. But if it's a vacuum, I guess, I guess you have a, stuff on each side and... Or you have something before the vacuum which slows it down and it's still slow in the vacuum or something like that, right? They... I, I wasn't able to read the full paper. I was only able to see the abstract and the... Because uh, I didn't have access to the paper. But I was able to read the abstract and get some of the more technical things. But it has to do with shaping the front of of the... Um, <laughs> It's hard to make. It's hard to explain. It has to do with with shaping the photon. You can you can do weak things to kind of shape it. Okay. And then they find that if they don't shape the ones that are shaped, get then after they're shaped, move slower through space than the ones through a vacuum of the ones that don't making them more resistant like yeah. less aerodynamic right um there's a really cool uh story on science friday this week you might have seen i, I also saw it on a, on a science blog but um some researchers have they use lasers to make the surface of metals hydrophobic oh yeah i did see that yeah and um like super hydrophobic yeah actually i haven't seen the video yet but uh um no it just you see the gif of it Oh, it bounce! It actually bounces off the metal because, uh, wow, yeah. So yeah, I mean, so they're using a, a a femtosecond burst of lasers on this thing. It takes a long time to do a small area surface area of it, but uh, they say, and they say that it doesn't. It's with water, it it does that. With oil, it has some re, uh, repellents, but not as good, right? So they're going to work on their patent, you know, the formula a little bit better to maybe come up with a shape, a surface area shape or something that is more general use. You know, because like if you're putting it in a frying pan, right? Yeah, but think about what you can do with materials to make them waterproof. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, like... You start thinking about this stuff. You start thinking about, well, and, and surface texture can is is your water. Or imagine making a submarine out of that stuff. Yeah, you know, make the skin of a submarine out of that you stuff. Built-in cavitation, essentially. Yeah, I mean, it would just you would wouldn't need much power to propel it through the water, right? I mean, you would have to get it's it's. Um, Inertial moment, I guess, moving, but there'd be yeah, no you'd resistance. You have to do that, but there wouldn't be immediate resistance around the skin, but there would be resistance from the pressure. In front of it, yeah. Okay. So you'd have to still push it. You still have to cavitate your front mm-hmm. to to produce more of a of a you know least resistance. Right. They talked about you know for airplane wings and tails, water wouldn't stick to it, so you wouldn't have to worry about icing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
frying pans, things like that. But uh, one thing they didn't mention, you know, they all talked about the process of the lasers. Ira didn't ask if the metallurgy came into play or whether this works on regular metals or different kinds of metals or if it was a very special metal. I I think that it's a surface cutting that will work on almost anything. I mean, I've seen similar things. There are plants that have these some of these uh, similar kind mm-hmm. of uh, barely macroscopic systems that will reflect, that will repel water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can do coatings and stuff like that. I think it's just sort of, as long as you I can mean, this etch is, it this... onto, a, onto a particular coating. Yeah. It should it should work right. It's pretty neat. It is pretty neat. It's yeah. just the shape. Of, it's just the structure on the surface. The shape, you know, for some reason, the surface tension of water yeah. does not like it. You know, and it just it's incompatible with it. It's like you know how a virus tries to bind with the receptor, and you replace something out, and the virus can't bind with it or whatnot. Right? It's it's just another natural phenomenon like mm-hmm. that where there's just something with it that the way water surface tension works. So I wonder how it works with soapy water. Because soapy water, you break the surface tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, see. like they said, it doesn't work as well with oils, right? So it wouldn't make a good frying pan right yeah. now. It wouldn't make this amazing, most non-stick frying pan you've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, it's probably still pretty good. It might be, even be as good as Teflon, right? Yeah. He didn't really go into detail about his how well it functions with oils. Well, Teflons, they don't... I mean, now they use better surfaces than Teflon. Because mm-hmm. Sure. Teflon's, 